Welcome to We, Women Encouragers and Wellness Enthusiasts. My name is Kelsey. And my name is Morgan. Both nutritionists leading busy lives, just trying to balance it all. Here we will be sharing the stories of inspiring women in our Oregon communities. How do you balance wellness, work, health, and relationships, and all the little things we do in between? Come listen in on the conversations while we chat about all of these and more. Much, much more. Hello. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Yes. So today we have two ladies on that truly live their lives, helping women take care of their whole selves in every stage of life. Both these ladies are personal trainers in their (laughs) gym movement duets. They help women get fit for life. They've been featured in Paleo Magazine, Paleo Fitness, Healthy Living, Gluten-Free Expo, and Scary Mommy. Let us introduce to you our guests, Jill and Carl. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Thanks Love for having us on. <laughs> yes, we are so excited to have you guys on today. So since we're getting started, why don't you each tell us just a little bit about yourselves? So um, Jill, why don't you go first? Oh, I, I'm not usually the one to go to first. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Today's your day. Jesus. <laughs> We do a lot of stuff together, and usually I have, like, the follow-up, so this is very exciting for me. <laughs> Today's your day, Jill. <laughs> Time to shine. I guess a little bit more, more shy than Karen is. So, yeah. Yeah, my name is Jill. I live in Salem, Oregon. I have been married to my husband, Sam, for four years, almost five. And we have two beautiful sons, Jack, who's three, and Ben, who is nine months. Um, I've been in the fitness industry since um, 2011, uh, and actually the way that I got into the fitness industry, well, first I just got really excited about my own workouts, but I decided that I wanted to become a personal trainer, and I decided that the best way to learn how to do that was to hire a personal trainer. So I called up a local gym, and I randomly got assigned to Kara here. <laughs> And that's how we met. She was my trainer. And then we became really great friends. And, you know, throughout a process series of events, we, our friendship blossomed and our business was born. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's how you guys know each other then. Oh my that's God. Met. Yep. It's a beautiful so, random act of chance. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What a cool story. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. So then the other side. Just- yes. So, um, my, I moved to Salem around right about when I met Jill, I was, my ex-husband's job got transferred here and I moved here sort of kicking and screaming because I loved, I lived in Wenatchee, Washington, which is like this beautiful, sunny, like sunny all year round snows during the winter, hot during the summer kind of place. And, um, so Um, I started working at a local gym here and met Jill and we sort of discovered right away that not only would we be really good friends, but that we had the ability together to create something that could be really special for women. And so that was, and so then I, I didn't end up staying with the husband, but I did stay in Salem. (laughs) I have another three years. So I have an 11 year old son and a three year old son. Um, but Jill and I got into fitness in like really roundabout ways. Mm -hmm. So I've been in the fitness industry since about 2003 and I did, I got into it because I was going to graduate school at the new school in New York city as in my degree is in feminist anthropology. And I wrote my master's thesis on women and body image and fitness and how like, Fitness has this capacity to really empower women, but it also has the fitness industry itself sends a lot of messages to women that are really disempowering and harmful. And so I wrote a lot about all of the different intricacies of that. And then I just decided to stay in the fitness industry. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is so cool. That is awesome. I love that. So you ladies work on empowering women together mm-hmm. through your your business now, Movement Duets. I love that name. Um, 
So I want to hear all about that, how it kind of came into play, and how you guys came up with the name Movement Duet. Yes. Oh, sure. That's yeah. a great story. So <laughs> we won't tell all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe can. one day. Yeah. You might have to edit it out. Yeah, you might have to edit it out. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. we, um, we, our, our friendship and our business was born based off of friendship and, fit, and fitness. And so, like, as a pair, we're kind of a movement duets. Like, we we always talk about how um, we are all a note in the symphony. Um, so that would be the movement uh, duets part. But also, uh, we met our husbands in the gym as well. So they were kind of our movement duets. And we started, um, when we first started movement duets, it was 2015. Uh, and it started out as just a blog. It was, it was just a lifestyle blog. Um, fitness blog where we talked about how our friendship and our relationships were empowered through fitness. Mm -hmm. And we wrote, we wrote sort of a, I would call a sex positive fitness blog about the snatch. And then I almost got fired for it. And so, <laughs> so then we were like, well, why are we working at this company? We could just be doing our own thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. So that is that is sort of how it came out. But in as we have developed the whole idea of movement duets, when we especially because we work with pre and postnatal women, that sort of helping empower women through this transitional time while they are sharing their body with another person is also a duet in its mm -hmm. own way. And so it really kind of works really well for what we do, even though that wasn't the reason why we came up with the name in the first place. Okay, so one thing that I picked up on what you're saying that I, I just really loved right there is that uh, women, when they're pregnant, they're sharing their bodies with someone else. And for a second, I was just like, wait, what does that mean? But that like, like, but you are like, that's so that was a very big realization right there. <laughs> that was good. So I just think that's so cool. Um, and so just moving along, I love that. And and one of the main visions that we are wanting to go over today is exactly what you guys talked about. It's, um, you know, how you guys are here to encourage women in all stages of life. And that's what you guys do. And I love how you guys go about it is like with so much laughter and fun and such positivity. Um, and I already know just by not even meeting you like 10 minutes ago, like that you just already exude positivity into women's lives. And so that's so cool. Um, but through this episode, um, I want to, and we want to just talk about, um, all about that, you know, uh, empowering women to be proud of the body that they're in at all stages of life and encouraging them to take the best care of their potty, potty, body in the place they are in life. Um, so, uh, I also wanted to start, with, uh, asking what inspired you both towards specifically helping women in a stage of movement duets. Where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, part of what fueled that passion was um, our own pregnancies. And I'll let, I'll let Cara talk a little bit about her own experience with her first pregnancy, because that, that's a big part of her story. But um, I know for me, like seeing, hearing and learning about Cara's experience with her first pregnancy, and then experiencing my own pregnancy, I quickly realized that there's just not enough information out there for women about how to work out and how to exercise during this transitional time. And so um, that fueled our passion to learn as much as we possibly could. So we both went out and got like all the certifications that have to do with pre and postnatal training where we connected with a bunch of professionals in the area, that, like anybody that has to do with women's health and um, birth workers. And we just basically, one of the things that we say a lot is that we want women to have the information that we wish we would have had during our pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like my first pregnancy, because my oldest son is 11, I'd been a trainer for a short period of time and I was still at that phase where I believed that my body was a billboard for being a trainer. So if I didn't have visible abs, then for some reason, I couldn't help someone get more fit. And um, so during a time when I probably looked my most fit, like I was really lean and, um, and looked the part the most, I was 
sometimes bulimic. I was over-exercising. I was um, anxious all the time. Like even anytime someone gave me a compliment about what I looked like, I immediately thought like, oh my God, like how am I going to keep this up? And then I got pregnant. So that was my mindset when I got pregnant. And I remember thinking about how I was going to lose the baby weight before I even got into my first, like second trimester. And, and it was like, it was a source of great anxiety to me. And the information that I received, um, was just keep doing what you've always been doing. Well, what I had always been doing was like exercising three hours a day and, you know, doing like just being kind of insane with, thinking that my, like my whole worth as a person just revolved around what my body looked like. And if I couldn't bounce back, then it wasn't worth anything as a trainer. And what ended up happening is that I made things worse because I did too much. I wore out. I couldn't sustain it. I, then I felt like I was a failure. I, I happened to gain a lot of weight during my pregnancies. And sometimes it's something you just cannot control so even, even when you do do the right things, which I'm not saying that I was doing all the right things, but, um, and then I ended up with a lot of problems. Like I had pelvic floor dysfunction. I developed a hernia that I actually just had to final, like I finally had operated, um, a surgery to fix. So, um, so that really was an eye opener to me. And like, it took me a long time to just think about it personally like what it meant to me personally but then it started making me really mad that like the other professionals that I had sought out for help were not giving me the information that I should have gotten my the other fitness professionals I knew didn't know what to make of me being a fit pregnant woman Mm -hmm. my OB didn't give me any good advice about pelvic floor health and and so basically when Jill and I both got married and got pregnant and all, we were like, well, this stops now <laughs> <laughs> today Love that. for us, but for, for all these other women that, that didn't have that information either. And we didn't get married to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that. But <laughs> Oh my gosh. That was kind of that was our that was our declaration. Like we we don't want one more woman to feel that way. So yeah. I think that's so good and so important that you're bringing just awareness to that you both are bringing awareness to this because I mean honestly until talking to you guys and learning more about what you did like I didn't know anything around this topic about what to do differently like when you're getting ready to have a baby and all that stuff versus like what you do after you have a baby and I just thought I've heard the same thing as you guys said you do what you did beforehand and I'm like okay and like I mean I'm not ready to have a baby right now but like you know within a couple years probably and I definitely want to get myself into that place and I know a lot of people my age are as well, but I don't think any of us know any of this information. So I think this is really good. This is really good. You guys have a lot of insights. Well, thank you. Yeah, I feel like this kind of stuff, like especially when we start talking about pelvic floor dysfunction, it's either not talked about because we keep our privates private or it's normalized. Like there are moms groups that are like, oh yeah, like once you have a baby, you know, you pee your pants every time you laugh. And (laughs) yeah have to like you could could therapy for that or like learn how to you know like like find a different strategy for that inner those inner core muscles and you don't have to live with that yeah so in that it's normal but that it doesn't have to be your normal right yeah common but not normal Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a better word definitely which is good because some of those things are the biggest things that make me most scared about getting pregnant someday. So you know what? <laughs> Knowing that they don't have to happen is a good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. But there's so many images out there. So like there's so, so many messages out there about how like your, your babies ruin your body. And that can be so harmful for women, especially in a society where women are taught that their worth is based on how they look. And 
and we internalize so much of that without even realizing it. And that's where you get all of these like body back narratives and snap back narratives. And so where women like myself with my first son were like making themselves crazy, trying to like get look like they had never had the pregnancy. And maybe we should be asking ourselves why it's even important to look like we hadn't done this amazing, miraculous thing with our bodies. Awesome. So if a woman listening right now was wanting to start preparing her body for a baby, um, what are, or pregnancy, I guess, what are some things you guys would recommend them doing? So let's say, you know, maybe even within the next couple years or, you know, whatever, what, what would you guys say that, um, they should start doing as far as probably fitness wise, I'm guessing fitness, anything that you guys know. I'm glad you said that because she just whispered to me, have sex. (laughs) (laughs) Step one, have sex. (laughs) Just about the baby. (laughs) She she put an identifier on there for fitness, so I think we should. (laughs) For fitness-wise. But, I mean, I guess other things, too, if it's nutritionally or things to make our body healthy and ready for that stage. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So I think um, probably the first thing that we would recommend is that you uh, that the woman who's thinking about conceiving would go seek out pelvic floor physical therapy as soon as possible. Um, a lot of people don't know what that is or that it's even a thing. Um, so pelvic floor physical therapists are folks who specialize in uh, women's health, especially uh, in the pelvic floor um, area, and then also um, they do a lot as far as like prenatal and postpartum um, care. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can help women with things like diastasis recti um, and then the pelvic floor dysfunctions that we mentioned, like mm-hmm. peeing your pants, but there's a lot more. I don't know how far mm-hmm. we want to get okay. go down that rabbit hole. But <laughs> there are a lot of things, but so getting evaluated as soon as possible, because while, while pregnancy and childbirth is associated with some of those dysfunctions, that's um, not the only way that those can occur. Mm-hmm. So having that information ahead of time would be super helpful. So that would be thing number one. And yeah, and um, and sometimes it's also good to go before you're pregnant so that you can get it before and after and then after after. Right. <laughs> because because you, we tend to think of our body like it's from some kind of static thing. But in reality, our bodies are changing all the time. And so to sort of know, understand how the inner core works when you are working with a physical therapist. And then you're more likely to pick up on when things are changing and if you need help. Um, and the reason that the that we would recommend a therapist right out of the gate is because the the pelvic floor isn't just about the pelvic floor. Right. It's about the entire inner core system. And that inner core system is actually called the anticipatory core. It's like all it's like a canister like deep in your body that supports all of your movements. So they there have been some studies done that like even when you move your pinky finger, your anticipatory core moves first. So your brain sends all of your movements through these inner core muscles. Now, if these inner core muscles are not functioning well, then think of how much your body needs to compensate in order to move your body. Because it's not like, oh, that's not working, so I'm not going to work my pinky finger. It, 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 sends the it sends you through a different route and then you end up with with compensatory issues so so getting that information can be key Mm -hmm. um do you want to talk about like sucking in your tummy oh yeah sure so um and so one of the other ways that that these issues can arise is from like sucking in your stomach so we've been taught to do that somehow, some way throughout, basically from the time that we were little girls, right? Suck in your tummy to look really thin, or like there's some um, some training philosophies out there that talk about like bracing your core all the time, squeezing your, your stomach muscles all the time, but that actually doesn't um, serve you very well because when we're looking at that entire anticipatory core system, um, if we're squeezing too tight in the middle all the time, then for one thing, those muscles don't have the ability to fully contract and relax, but also it doesn't have the ability to work in conjunction with the other parts of that system. And that's where you can end up with some of those problems, like mm-hmm. like leaking. Yeah. And sucking in doesn't mean that you have like any less 
intestines inside there or fat <laughs> on still the outside. <laughs> it's all still there. And so then you're creating pressure where there shouldn't be pressure. And that's where you end up with like peeing your pants or prolapse or things like that. So starting to break those habits early because I know like I was in dance most of my life as a young child and I've been sucking in my stomach for like almost as long as I can remember. So like allowing myself to kind of relax and let it out and like, like try to be more like my toddler who just like, I mean, he just like, he's free. Like he doesn't, he's not worried about (laughs) anything. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that would be a big one. And another sort of lifestyle thing that we would recommend is as often as possible to not wear heels. Um, Elevating your heels, your feet in that way, actually, um, it changes your posture and the, the pelvic floor doesn't work super well when the, um, when the diaphragm isn't stacked right on top of it. And so if your ribs are flared and your butt's out and everything, you look super hot, but (laughs) It doesn't do it. It actually um, limits the amount that your pelvic floor can work or it makes your pelvic floor work really, really well in the back and not so much in the front. And so and you want it to work in both places. Yeah, we we have a five second rule for the heels. Right. (laughs) In one place in our lives. (laughs) The pleasure. So those are the kind of lifestyle things that that we would suggest. Um, But also like if, if someone were wanting to come in and we have had uh, women come in to train with us who were hoping to conceive, um, who were having difficulties for one reason or the other. Um, But if someone were coming in to train with us, um, we talked a little bit about this already in roundabout ways, but the three things that we would start with are um, posture, breath, and, um, and basically learning uh, to control the movements with <laughs> my brain just stop with, with your version of a neutral alignment and um, your breath control. Yeah. So integrating, integrating. the posture. Thank and you. That's the word I was trying to think movement. of. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and and part of that is like really building up your glute muscles. Like your butt and your pelvic floor are like best friends in like so many ways. And so, like, if you come to train with us, you can bet that we will work on your butt. Yep. <laughs> so, so getting, like, yeah, strong glutes. So we'll be doing lots of, like, squats and deadlifts and things like that as long as those, you know, we have we will modify if there's um, if there's a need for that. But, um, yeah, we will yep. certainly, certainly work a lot on, on full body exercises with an emphasis on the glutes. That's so cool. That heel thing. I'm still I, not over that. <laughs> like, who knew? Who knew? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Check out Rothy's. They're really cute flats. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know what? That's good. Cause you know what? I don't love wearing heels anyway. So nope. it's just another reason why I, I shouldn't. Yeah. I right? should just wear Nikes. Yeah. And yep. so if someone tells me to wear heels, I'm going to be like, nope. No. <laughs> My pelvic floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks sexy, but what's actually sexy is when this is working well. Well, health is well. I love that. So that's awesome. So the fitness thing, uh, love it. But what about other things? Nutrition? What do you guys know or recommend? As far well, as? Prenatal and yeah, postnatal. yeah, yeah. As mm-hmm. far as prenatal, so, postnatal, what do you guys tell people? Um, to tell you the truth, like, so we certainly know, like, there's, like, we have in our heads, like, the kinds of of, of foods that will really support a pregnant woman or postpartum. Um, but most of our nutrition program is actually a lot more about breaking up with the diet and. And stopping that cycle of shame and deprivation that most women are in when it comes to food. Mm-hmm. So very few women that we know have a healthy relationship with food. It's usually they're, they're either sort of ruled by cravings and binging and then deprivation and over-exercising or, you know, like they'll 
um, sort of go through these cycles. And when you're pregnant, those things can be really amplified. And then you don't feel like you have a lot of control over what's happening because of your hormones, your food aversions, your, your body's insistence on gaining weight. <laughs> and so, because you're growing a person, like you're getting bigger is just part of the process. And so, um, so a lot of what we do is, is habit change. And it's a little bit more based in the psychology of change than it, it, maybe not more, but it is as much based in the psychology of change as it is in actual like nutrition guidelines where we say, this is what you should eat. Does that make sense? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like a habits change, like you said, and more of a longevity lifestyle mindset that you to encourage. And I like that. Yeah, we want it always to be very easy, like, you know, like work on eating slowly. And when you feel like you are, you can do that well, then we can move on. And then let's talk about eating until you're 80% full and, you know, and work on that within like, if someone's really challenged by it, like, like basically cut it down to smaller and smaller pieces until it's something that feels like a low hanging fruit. Like I can do this. And Jill's especially awesome at that. Like she, she's been my nutrition coach at periods of time and she does a great job of sort of listening to me and like, like reflective listening and getting down to like the core values of why a certain change is important to me and then examining if the habit that we're working on reflects those core values. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah, so it it's it, what we often find, we could prescribe the perfect meal plan for a pregnant lady, no problem. Yeah. But there are so many factors like what Cara was talking about. And a lot of it has to do with mindset and relationships, um, your relationship with food. Um, so our approach isn't, isn't a meal plan approach. Our, our approach is what is important um, to you that you want to change and kind of digging down to the why that's important and then kind of taking it from there. Cause a lot of times it's not really about what the woman is eating. Um, it's, or it's about how she's eating. And why why certain things crop up for her when they do. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Yeah, that's so important. I think that will be, I think that's a good um, thing for women to follow regardless if they're pre- pregnant or not. I think just mm-hmm. having that mindset for sure creates a healthy relationship with <laughs> food. And I feel like practicing those all the time is super, super helpful and important. Absolutely. Yeah. I love those. Absolutely. What we've seen a lot, and you guys talked about this earlier, was that like women a lot of times are focusing on getting their body back. Or you'll see in magazines, like, I don't know, celebrities are like, body after one week. And you're like, what the heck? Like, How, how, did, how did that happen, <laughs> you know? Um, and a lot of women have a really difficult time doing this. And I know that even like I have had friends that, Friends that have had a tough time with this. Um, Losing so, that baby weight. Yeah, yeah, and trying to deal and with um, understanding that their body is different now and they're not looking the same as they did beforehand. Um, so what are maybe some of the reasons that it might take time to bounce back? And then what, and then in addition, so what would you, advice would you give to someone that is going through that time and how to stay encouraged when they're going through that experience? Yeah. Oh, this is huge. Yeah. We're actually giving an entire presentation about this um, in March. Really? <laughs> yeah. At the Willamette uh, Coaches and Trainers Fitness Summit. Yeah. Yep. Oh, cool. Uh, so, yeah, this. So can let's just tackle the idea first. Yeah, definitely. Of this body back thing. But the, this narrative that like we just glorify the pre-pregnant body and the, that is what we're saying when we say body back. It's like, well, your body looked better when it was young and nubile and not stretched out or whatever. And this narrative is incredibly abusive to women in my mind, um, in our mind, um, that it, it encourages women to do too much too soon post-pregnancy. So during a time when in a lot of other cultures, 
women are like laid up, being pampered, like taking it easy, not like resting, caring for their newborn. There are women in our society that are not only getting rushed back into going back to work, but they're also getting rushed back into these bodies that they may or may not ever see again. And so <clears throat> we see that and it's just sort of heartbreaking mm -hmm. because in at the core of that is that we are never really good enough that we did this like amazing thing and we're never really good enough. And there are physical ramifications of that and emotional ramifications of that. Right. Yeah. The, the physical ramifications, we kind of um, talked a little bit earlier about it, but the physical ramifications of that is not giving your body the proper time it needs to heal. Um, not honoring this transitional time in a woman's life. Um, and, uh, dysfunctions being a result of not giving your time your body enough time to heal so you know we talked about already like peeing your pants uh, this is where women develop prolapse, prolapse a lot of times right yeah um and then ignoring those signs of dysfunction or any sort of pain because they think that this is what it takes to get back to that pre-pregnant body and then women end up feeling like their bodies are broken and then they feel shame for not being able to do it like, like Kim Kardashian and, or, you know, whatever. And, and so, and so that there, it takes an emotional toll as well. So it's not just like, Oh, that, she, you know, like she's suffering physically. It's, it's a, it's a whole encompassing thing. And this is during a time when the mother is trying to, to learn how to be a parent for the first time as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, that's, a, that's a huge thing. And, um, so, so that's, that's basically what we think about that. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we don't support women through weight loss. Yeah, like we're not anti weight loss. We're anti shame. Yeah. Love and that's, that. that's yeah, like we have never seen a woman like shame herself into a long-term weight loss. Mm -hmm. We have seen women love themselves into a long-term weight loss. Like we've seen women like shame themselves into a very temporary fix, but that doesn't, that doesn't like ask them, you know, check in with them five years later and see if they're on that same like roller coaster or if they have really found sort of a freedom and a comfort with themselves. And a lot of times if they stayed on that roller coaster, that, that is what they're doing. Like they're there and they never really truly feel good about themselves um, and how they look, even when they've made it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you never really know, like what the story is with some of these um, success stories quote unquote success stories, the body back stories because like just recently uh, we had someone come visit us at our at our new gym space and somebody had commented on um her body and said oh you look so great like you never had a baby she was like what like six seven six weeks postpartum. six weeks postpartum you look like you never even had a baby and she said oh thank you but I feel completely broken inside oh. and that's just like that really hurt mm -hmm. our hearts to hear mm -hmm. that and like and then the thing that like broke my heart even more is later that same exact day I saw her post something on Facebook about how she was three pounds away from her pre baby weight and I'm thinking like this poor woman who just came in and told us how she feels so broken and is, feels like she has a is to play. still is still like putting out there to the world like everything's okay because I look this way and yeah. she knows that that's not true and so, um, so anyway, that's sort of unpacking the, that whole, <laughs> that whole narrative, but the things that we do encourage our clients to do, um, we encourage them to take the time, like to, to give themselves grace that remember that this is a journey, like there's not a destination and that they're on their own journey. Like my recovery after pregnancy was very different from Jill's and that is okay. 
we're two different people. Like we have, we have a whole, we have two whole different bodies with different hormone levels and structures and things like that. And so we remind women of that. We also give them the tools to start something right away. Yep. Um, and what we, what we mean by something is like eight minutes that you can do lying down on your bed of gentle core exercises and stretching. And when I say core exercises, I'm not talking about sit-ups. I'm like breathing, kegeling, like things like that. Like that's what, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're, and so we give them something to do. And then as they feel like they can, we'll have them do more. Um, it's so, it's kind of funny. Cause like, I, we would love it if there were some like hard and fast rules of like, do this, but don't do this. Yeah. But in reality, we're just having to constantly like, see where our clients are, even when they come to classes, like, how does that feel? How does that feel? How does that feel? Like, <laughs> because, because sometimes some things will be okay, but because like through pregnancy and postpartum, your body's always changing. What feels good is also going to always change. And so, um, a lot of it is teaching women to know what <clears throat> symptoms to look out for and then how to listen to their body and then teaching them that it is okay to do less. And I'm saying this and I struggle with that part the most because mm -hmm. I want to do all the things. Oh yeah. <laughs> we relate over here. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I, I bet she, ha she has hired me. I, I put air quotes around hire cause I'm not getting paid anything. Yeah. She, <laughs> she, <laughs> hired me to be her uh her trainer for the first uh three months post the surgery that she just had because of her tendency to do all the things too much too fast mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I feel like a lot of women today too though yes like we are in such a fast-paced environment everywhere we're at that we're so like we just tend to be that even if we don't try to be doers like that well it's almost like glorified yeah, so like, like yeah. the woman that's like, oh my gosh, she had a baby two weeks ago, or I don't know, whatever. And she's at, you and know, she's at work, cycling, and cycling and, and she's at the grocery store, and she makes all home cooked meals. Look at her go. Things. And it's like, instead of it's like, but then you, it does, it's not fair to the woman that like is sitting down and really like being in the moment and just and not doing those things either. And it's, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah there's so many factors, right? I mean, there's like, you don't, we don't know the whole story. Like what, what is the stress level like at home and how many kids does she already have and how supportive is her partner? And does she have postpartum depression? Like there, there's so many factors when we're looking at the individual woman. And so uh, like, we say this a lot with our clients, like, like they'll ask us, is this a good exercise for me to do? Like, it depends. And it's like the worst answer ever. They hate it, <laughs> but it really does. Like, we don't know, is it? <laughs> How does that feel? How does it? And so it's sort of like constantly checking in with yourself. And and what it comes back to is this whole like overarching um, theme that we want to bring to women's fitness in general is that we want fitness to serve you. Like we want fitness to make your life bigger. And in so many ways we have seen fitness make women's lives smaller because you know like say you did go out and start running a 5k as soon as you had your six-week checkup and then all of a sudden your you know uterus is trying to fall through out through your vagina like that like you feel broken and like and that's a real thing like that happens to people like that yeah yeah <laughs> Kelsey's like oh my god <laughs> could do all the right all the right things quote unquote all the right things and still have some of the stuff pop up um so that that's one of the reasons why we do what we do because the more information you have the more empowered you feel and it, like think about how scary that would feel if that happened to you and you never heard anything about it before mm -hmm. like uh, oh <laughs> 
can't but imagine that was a possibility. And and there's so many things you can do to help. Like you do not have to be your diagnosis. Yeah. It is that like you have to find the strategies to help. Like there are some amazing women that we went through our certifications with. Um, one of them, she's about to have the same surgery that I did, but she has a huge diastasis, which is like an opening in the middle, like your ab muscles have separated. And normally like people looking at her would think, oh, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. And like, she is a, like she, and it, it did not happen overnight. It's been years. She's been working on this. She's like a, like very competitive CrossFit athlete. Um, there is a woman who, um, talked very openly about her prolapse, which is the uterus falling through your kid. <laughs> so she, she talked about how devastating that, um, diagnosis was when she first got it. She lives in a very hilly town and she would walk to work and her PT was like, mm, you should probably start taking an Uber instead because you shouldn't be walking hills with your prolapse. And, and she was like, if I can't even walk to work, which is, you know, I do that and carry my baby and carry groceries home every day. And like, like my whole life is over. Like, and, and, but she has found ways, you know, she just last year got certified in strong first, which is a kettlebell certification, which even very fit people struggle to complete this certification. And so there's so much hope but it just doesn't always happen right on our terms because we are always in such a rush because of this pressure to get our bodies back so fast and it's okay for it to take time. Um, it's also, it's hard when you also have that athlete mentality where you want to do all the things because mm -hmm. it's fun. <laughs> and so, um, but there's, there are, there's a lot, there are so many hopeful stories out there and there are definitely ways when you work with the right professional that you can live a very big life, even if you do get a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. When I'm taking away, get connected. With mm -hmm. Fast. Mm -hmm. I love that. Get support. Yeah. Get yourself a Jill and a Cara. <laughs> <laughs> so much. That's so cool. Oh my goodness. Um, so recently, just uh, switching gears real fast, you ladies are starting to work on something really big that I saw on your Instagram, and oh, I'm scared to say this, gym intimidation. Did I say that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Big word. Um, okay, tell us all about it. What are you guys doing with it? Where are you going at? What do you want to share? What does it mean? What does it mean? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, gym intimidation is a term used to describe a uh, fear of going to the gym, basically. So um, a lot of uh, a lot of women that we have known over the years have felt certain ways about going to the gym. So they they feel like they need to get in shape before they go to the gym. They feel like they don't deserve to be there for whatever reason. They feel like um, they have fear of being judged, like everybody's looking at me, or they don't know how to like. They don't know how to work out or do certain mm -hmm. things. They don't know how to like ask somebody if they can work in for a set. And so um, we we've heard it enough times that we're like, okay, let's make um, let's make a project out of this. So we have created um, or in the process of creating. Rather, we're not quite done yet, but we're creating an eight week gym intimidation series where we're going to talk about um, things like that, like how to ask to work in for a set, how to respond to people commenting on your body, because uh, that happens a lot, how to uh, take up space and feel like you deserve to be there. And then like, you know, the, the practical things like how to load and unload a barbell, how to do a deadlift, how to do a squat, like how to do the basic main lifts. And so, yeah, we're, we're pretty super excited about it. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. like, even as a trainer, like when I have shopped gyms in the past, I, um, I'll go in and a lot of times I'm like directed towards the cardio equipment or the classes. Yep. And it's just sort of assumed that that's what women want to do. Mm -hmm. And we would like women to like, we would love it if they do exercise first that they love to do. But we certainly don't want some 18 year old who's go get, having this job at the gym while he goes to college, tell a woman 
what she should be doing with her own body in the gym so that she can explore all the different ways because we have seen how much strength on the outside can transfer to strength on the inside and lifting weights like like, we want you to do what you love, but we really hope that you lift weights. <laughs> <laughs> so, because we have found it to be so empowering for women. So, you know, I think we're, like, I'm sort of pushing for a mansplaining video. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I, like, Jill, she works out at our gym. Like, she is not a big gym kind of person. I like to people watch, so I go to the big gyms, but because of that, I have had so many people, like, come up to me when I'm lifting and, like, be like, oh, have you tried this? Like, like, (laughs) (laughs) well, do you mean that? that People, I mean, basically men come up and try to tell me how to lift, and Perhaps I wouldn't be so closed off to that if it didn't feel like an invasion of my space and my like my like me time. Um, so, but we're going to talk about that. Like, how can you know? Do you do you need to respond? And if you do, what would be some ways that you could do that and feel like secure in yourself and not like? Yeah, I have definitely had that happen before. Yeah. Where, yeah. <laughs> yep. This man, I was, I was, I don't even remember what exercise I was doing, but this man was uh, probably like in his late sixties and he was like, you know, if you really want to do that exercise, right, you do it like this. And I'm like, thanks. I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) Or men, men will come up and say like, you know, lifting heavy is going to make you look masculine. And so you should really go lighter with the weights and do more repetitions. Which is false, by the way. Yeah, that is actually not the science <laughs> but which I am happy to explain to someone yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. no I think that's so good because like oh my gosh my voice is really going downhill <laughs> um when we were in college not the same time but um when I was in college I remember my freshman year I was lifting with I'd go lift with some of my friends in the gym at OSU And I would never go unless my friends were there because it was all guys all the time, just lifting and mostly girls on the cardio. So like if my friends weren't there, I could do, do the elliptical or something. But like, if my friends weren't there, there was no way I was lifting because it was so intimidating because it was like so many guys around. And I felt like uncomfortable asking like, can I go try that real quickly or whatever? So I think it's good. You guys are bringing attention to this and um advice for women and yeah and confidence and confidence yes no like I don't even think I would have ever got into lifting if I hadn't failed bowling in high school (laughs) (laughs) there's there's a story so okay so in high school so I grew up in a small town in Washington and the weightlifting coach, no, no, like the like the two of the PE teachers had a beef with one another. So I missed a lot of bowling, partially because I skipped, and partially because I was at tra- I was it, like going to track meets because I was in, on the track team, and so I failed bowling, which like I was fairly type A, like I seem to have gotten over that, but like I was really very anxious about my grades. And so the coach was like, well, if you want to get it, if you can raise your grade, if you take the whole summer and come in and work out with the football team. And I think he thought that I wouldn't do it, but I was like, it's on. I'm going to get my A. Oh my gosh. So that's where I like learned to lift for the first time. And because it was such a weird situation and I was, I was the only girl there, but I was also because of the situation, kind of one of the guys, like it just sort of changed things for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, like I, I kind of snapped out of that like cardio only thing for at a fairly young age. And I'm sure you got used to being around all those guys, too, with weights. And I'm sure you became friends with them. And mm-hmm. did you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
Because that's something that I actually relate to a little bit. Not that cool of a story, <laughs> but that's a, that's an awesome story. Um, but I actually something similar in the way that I was going to this gym like every night at the same time, and it was very random. But I actually became friends with people that were also going to the gym at the same time, and it happened to be a few guys that would love to lift weights, and they loved encouraging other people, and I was a cardio junkie, too. I would do my 5K and then go to the room and do my little thing in my, like, own private area, mm -hmm. and I just remember at the end of, um, like, before I had to move away to college, these guys would always encourage me to come and lift weights with them, and it was the best thing ever, and so... I love seeing that guys are out there encouraging women in that way through friendship and support and, you mm -hmm. know, encouragement. That's cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, so with that, too, I feel like words are a huge thing here. Like, we've talked a lot about words and self-talk and everything. Um, and how we talk to ourselves and to other people is huge. And so what do you two tell yourselves every day? in self-talk and how you, you know, talk to yourselves and what do you tell the other women to talk to yourselves? How do you encourage them? Yeah, Woo, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Well, so the, kind of a little story. Um, a while back, when, when I had my first son, um, I, I suffered from some pretty intense baby blues and like being a first time mom, like I didn't know what the heck I was doing and felt like I had to do it all alone because if I didn't, then I was just a bad mom. Right. And there is at one point just unsolicited, um, when Cara was over visiting me, she said, you're a good mom. And I just sobbed because I needed to hear that so badly. Like I needed somebody to say that to me. And I thought if I need someone to say that to me, more women need to hear this. So we actually, our business cards say, you're a good mom. Oh, I love that <laughs> so much. Um, yeah, so that's that's probably a real big one is because um, there are so many ways we can feel like we're failing um, and we're kind of trying to do this, this fitness thing and we're trying to, you know, like fit everything in, but our priorities have totally changed. And so we really, we really want to remind women of that. Um, um, I'm trying to think of other things that I do say to myself. I think for me too, like that this, um, and I won't spend a lot of time on the whole story, but, um, this last, this last year, um, has been pretty, uh, tough for me. I had my, um, second son, he was born at 27 weeks, five days. And, um, he was in the NICU for a couple of months and, uh, there was, uh, there was a shift in me where I realized that I was spending a lot of my time like pleasing other people. And when I was in that crisis mode, I was like, I just don't have the time to please other people. I have to do what's best for me. I have to do what's best for my kids and my, my family right now. And that, that whole experience just completely changed me. Mm -hmm. And I think like some of the things that I say to myself every day is it's okay to say no. Mm -hmm. you're not here existing solely for the pleasure of everybody else and making everybody else's lives easy. So I can say no to things in order to say yes to other things. So, you know, I, to make my, my workouts a priority, like, do I have time to work out? Hell no, I don't have time to work out. I own a business and have two kids. <laughs> like, but, but I can say no to some things in order to make that time for myself. So saying no, that's, that's something that I, I tell myself, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no. Yeah. And then I would say the other thing is not anything specific, but it's a general idea that I think that the, that practicing gratitude mm -hmm. is, is huge. Um, and it sort of changes everything when you find ways to be thankful for this body that you live in. Instead of saying like, oh God, like I have cellulite, I'm so gross. You can say like, I have cellulite and this body, you know, like had an amazing workout today or this body, you know, did this thing for me or feel gratitude for things outside of your body, which is even better, <laughs> you know, and um, 
And so like, I even have my kids do that. I have my 11 year old is like so fast turning into a teenager. Oh, (laughs) he has that like sulky, pouty, like, like the world is against me kind of thing happening. And so we do a lot of like practice gratitude. Like what was, what was so awesome about today? Like, what are you really thankful for? And um, I think that that can make a big difference in helping shift my own mindset. And we practice that a lot with our clients as well. So important. I love that. You both are so inspiring and you radiate just so much positivity and I just love listening to you both talk. It's so it's so inspiring, and I think everyone else is going to think that. Not only that, you guys have some pretty funny stories. Yes, you do. <laughs> you guys are good. I know. You guys are hilarious. You're, you guys have made us laugh this whole time. So before we close, we have a couple things that we just ask all of our guests. So the first thing, and you guys can either have something you want to share collectively or separately, either way, but what's one thing if you're – if you could encourage one woman listening to this, what would you say to her? And it can be broad. It can be anything. We've talked about so much and I want to like summarize it, but I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would say um, to women like that it is okay to start where you are. Yeah. That I, I think that like what Jill was saying earlier, that um, a lot of times women feel like they need to like get in shape before they start a fitness program. Like we clean our houses before the house cleaner comes or like, <laughs> things like that. Or apparently like shave your legs before you get a pedicure. <laughs> Maybe that is normal. <laughs> like you don't have to like you, you can just start where you are now and that is okay. Like that is enough. And you, you don't have to make like a huge sweeping change right now. You can just do one, one thing that was just better than yesterday. And that is a step in the right direction. Yep. I go with that. <laughs> <laughs> you agree. Yeah, I agree. Yep. No, that was all right. Um, so our last question we want to ask you is, and you can answer it the same way, but what does wellness mean to you? Wellness. Um, so our, our main goal in working with women and our main goal for ourselves is to have strength and confidence on the inside as well as the outside. And that, that's what wellness means to me is that you, you're out there living your best life, feeling great about what you, where you are, what you're doing, um, and your, your body's abilities. Yeah. And the best way that you can. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great definition. That's awesome. I love that. That's, that's awesome. So where can we work out with you two? If we want to come in and work out, um, how can we do that? Yes. Yes. This is really exciting because we just recently moved into our own space. So like we've had all this time where we've like worked out of our living rooms or on the internet or like out of like a chiropractic office or out of a yoga studio. And now we like have our own place. And it's really um, cute. I went there. It looks thank great. You. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so it's um, it's Movement Duets, and we are part of the Nexus Wellness Center. So that it's in, at 1655 Capitol Street, Northeast. Um, within the center itself is not just our fabulous gym, but there is a group of doulas, there's an acupuncturist, there's a, a counselor that likes to work with women and postpartum trauma, things like that. And there's also the Pelvic Wellness Center, which is pelvic floor physical therapists. So we're able to work and partner with all of those professionals so that like a woman, so say you do get pregnant in the next couple years, (laughs) you just walk right in there and you can talk to a number of professionals about your pregnancy, your health, your well-being um, during that time. 
That's amazing. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. One stop shop. I like it. I'm like, I want to move to Salem just when I get pregnant. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, and we do offer um, a free week if anyone wants to come and try out our classes. Now, if you're already pregnant or newly postpartum, we would recommend that you actually come do a consultation first so that we can really know more about your body before you just hop into a class. We like to know a lot of health history um, and sort of see how your body moves and things like that. But um, but for the most part, if you just want to come in and see, like try it out, meet other moms, you are welcome to. And um, we do allow moms to bring their kids. We feel really strongly that you should not have to choose between self-care and childcare. So you, it is not uncommon to see a small child like crawling around <laughs> um, during class. And so some of the, some of the kids that are there have been there since like their mom's six week checkup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a cool community you guys have created. Yeah. That's so awesome. So how do we contact you guys if we want to do that? Yeah. So you can go to our website, www.movementduets.com and there's a contact us, um, button on the website, or you can email us at info at movementduets.com. Um, we're all, we're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram. We have a Twitter, but don't contact us on Twitter because we'll never see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't go to our Twitter. Don't go to our Twitter. It's just a repost of our Instagram. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy you guys came on today. Me too. I literally have gotten to know you guys and just these last this last hour and it's been the best time and I'm yeah. so happy you guys came on yeah this has been great and I think it's gonna be so informative and it's a lot of information that women especially our age but really of any age probably have no idea about any of this and so I think it's it's gonna be great it's gonna be so good so thank you guys so much for coming thank on you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And thank you so much for what you do in the community and helping elevate women and empower women's businesses. Thank you. Yes, Anytime. thank you. All right, well, Bye. we will see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.